Hi, I'm Darcy Hanna, author of the Beacon Bake Shop Mystery Series, author of the Very Cherry Mystery Series, author of the upcoming Food and Spirits Mystery Series, and author of several historical fiction. Did you ever wonder where I get my inspiration for the stories I write? I get it from my family, in particular from my conversations with my three amazing and creative sons. I'll be joined by my middle son, Dan, age 29, my youngest son, Matt, age 26. We have a great relationship, and we thought it would be fun to share our often wacky, often irreverent, yet always entertaining conversations with you. So buckle up, and welcome to the Motherboy Podcast. You're laughing. And then I'm going to introduce, I'm going to read his bio <laughs> before, before, we, before Jack says a word. Okay. Really? Yes. Okay. Well, Wait, you should damn do it. it. You pressed it. God damn you. <laughs> you do this every time. Uh, yeah. You're like, yeah, okay, Matt, planner. you say this, and then Dan, you say this, and then, yeah. Both I, of I you tug on like, your cock, you tug on mine. <laughs> and then we'll both pump action reload each other. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Settle down, boys. You remember that one, Jack? Okay, wait. Yeah. Jack's not allowed to say a word until we introduce him. <laughs> oh, my God. Not a word. <laughs> we're, not, we're not allowed to discuss that meme, but it's great. Um, um, no. Well, good morning. This is our first morning podcast, which also makes it kind of special. I'm awake. I've got coffee. And what makes it even more special is that we have our first ever guest to the Motherboy studio. And... I am just so excited. So this is a this is like one of my one of my favorite people. I've known this person for a very long time. I feel he is exceptionally creative, and I'm going to um, I'm going to introduce him to you here. Like, got to get my glasses on. Um, so we have today Jack Porath. Jack Porath is an American multi instrumental composer, producer, and uh, music teacher with a bachelor's in music and and in music performance. Uh, music performance trombone from Eastern Michigan University under Dr. Babcock and Professor Gary Heldick. While studying music at EMU, Jack has had the privilege of performing in master classes led by Professor Abby Content, um, Professor Mike Steger, Dr. Todd Cranson, <laughs> Amy Larson, and Dr. Jamie Lipton. I hope I didn't mess up those names. I'm sorry, sweetie. Um, did sweetie <laughs> negate everything? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Jack has held the second trombone position in the Ypsilanti Symphony Orchestra from 2017 to 2021, which is absolutely fabulous, and is currently performing with the Jazz Fusion Trio Night Nightlight. I night said light. I thought like my eyes saw Night Flight, but I, it's Nightlight because my night eyes flight. are old. Night <laughs> Light. Being in the industry for 10 plus years, Jack has experienced performing and teaching a variety of music. While his degree is in classical and jazz, Jack has also been performing and teaching black American music such as soul, funk, R&B, fusion, and neo-soul. He is a John Philip Sousa award-winning musician and is an active freelancer in the Southeast Michigan area. Everybody, welcome Jack to the podcast. Jack, welcome. Hey. Good morning. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for, I'm sorry, I can't read. What is neo jazz? Uh, neo soul. Yeah, what is neo soul? It's, uh, it's, uh, you know, you know, like the whole, the genre meme, like, like there's, in, the, the genres go like ocean wide, yeah. canyon deep. It's just one of those okay. specific, you know. Like what is the difference though? Soul music is like of the of the soul era, like um, what is it, late sixties into whenever, and then that kind of faded as as popular music went on, and then there's like a resurgence of soul music, but it was kind of like with a hip hop or an R&B sound. Oh, okay. Like so Erica Badu or D'Angelo. 
Right. Um, so it's more like electronic kind of. Um, it's like if Soul was cool, <laughs> like cooler than cooler than Soul is, uh, with more of like an R and B vibe. Okay. Yep. That's pretty cool. Oh wow. It's cool. Yeah. And soul yeah, soul music came out of jazz, right? Uh, soul. Yeah. Soul music came out of jazz. Okay. Uh, loosely. Can you give loosely. an example of a song? Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, a soul, uh, a neo soul song, like popular example would be um, like Erica Badu's "Apple Tree." It could be like D'Angelo's. Um, oh, jeez. That's okay. It's early. Yeah, Jamie, pull it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Daniel. What are we Daniel, looking for? Daniel, pull it up. Uh, most popular neo soul songs. Uh, let's see here. They were really popular in the late '90s and thousands. I know that for sure. Well, then I must have heard them. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of more. Um, Brown Sugar. A Long Walk. Daniel. Daniel's history. Other to, Side of the Game. I'm trying to look it's at getting things Neo-Soul that... getting Neo Soul Gold there. Yeah, I'm trying to um, look at things that Darcy may know. And is, uh, may is, know. What, what was the song? Um, oh, what was it? Is that Neo Soul? That's not Neo Soul. That's that's an older song. I don't know if that was Soul. It's by like... Uh, oh, oh my man. gosh, we all know I, it. We did it in we choir when I was in it. choir. Mm-hmm. We did it and it was super cool because it was like... Yeah, like everyone knows what that is, but they don't know what song it's from. Well, and I should back up and say that Jack Porath has been a family friend, and you boys, like he's Matt's one of Matt's very best friends, and he was in choir with you, but he was also in band, and so Jack, I'm not with he was not in band with me. I didn't do you band. didn't do band, but I'm just saying he you met him. Well, no, you met him. Oh. Met him in an art class. And what grade? Uh sixth. Oh my God! Take us yeah. back. Take us back to that art class. I, I yeah. honestly don't remember how we started talking, but I remember it was in an art class, and I remember we were doing, like, self-portraits or something. Yep, and ours both looked really savory. Yeah, uh, looked like shit, so... Yep, uh, and I, I don't know who prompted who, but we were at our big old... I Probably think, me. Yeah, at our big square tables. Um, I remember that room very vividly, and I don't know why. Yeah, me too. It was just a weird room. It was also on a weird side of the building too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were—I don't—I don't even remember what we talked about. It was as simple. It was simple as it was a couple of middle school boys. I'm pretty sure it was just airsoft, wasn't it? We're just like, I want—I like airsoft. I think like, it's I like that you—you. Uh, I'm like, hey, we just talked about what we were into, and you said airsoft, and I'm like, I like airsoft. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like running. A, we ran around the neighborhood, you know, getting each other with our friends, and so. Yeah, it was fun. I mean. Yeah. I've been going down the deep rabbit hole of airsoft nowadays. Twenty twenty three, it is the sickest shit I have ever seen. It is legit. There are they put they have these like light things they put at the end of like airsoft guns to make the BBs like turn into tracers. Oh my goodness! Wow. And people like hit out hardcore. Like they'll get like chest rigs and like camo and like helmets, and they'll put like real sights on airsoft guns. There's guns that have like blowback. We're like like assault rifles that are like have 30 rounds in them so you can do like mill sim quote unquote yeah right? like the sport of it or the well yeah, i it's mean back up because like when you guys were growing up let's <laughs> let's just back up a minute airsoft wasn't it always for kids or did the military come up so with it? no actually i looked into this airsoft was created by the japanese for what uh, I think it was just for fun. For gaming. Like I'm not gaming, but it was like like live action. What, what Dan? Nothing. <laughs> I wanna make Jack a Wikipedia 
page. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Dan's but, live uh, making trying to make a wiki page right now. But my IP address keeps getting blocked, so I don't know what I did wrong, but <laughs> we'll no, it was made it a long time ago by the Japanese. We'll um, I can't tell you why they made it. I think it was more of like a fun thing. Yeah, money, money, um, money. Then they got so good at like replicating guns that law enforcement started using them to train with so like gun manufacturers this is really weird this is a weird rabbit hole gun manufacturers will make airsoft guns too so like sig sour has a line of airsoft guns that well i mean when you kids were little i first you know i wasn't all all in on this but you had a group of friends and they were i mean it was it was dads and sons and it was a really cool thing and you guys would get together at um, one of the friends houses who lived out in the country and they would divide you guys into groups and it was almost like you know almost like a capture the flag and i think you did play capture the flag but with these i mean it was it was kind of interesting you guys loved it oh my god it was so fun to the layman it's much like paintball yeah it's much like paintball but it's a little bit more realistic and you 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 are a ton more accurate like farther like distance distance wise you you can shoot a lot farther and a lot more accurate with an airsoft gun, and that's why I think a lot of people like it is because it's just very like, um, one it's very replica heavy, so people are really into like replica based style airsoft guns, mm-hmm. so you can get like any World War Two weapon, any modern weapon, like like I said, like modern designs for guns from gun manufacturers are licensed out to airsoft companies to make. So like H and K, they don't make H and K is not allowed to sell their guns pretty much period because they're held liable by the german government if oh somebody God. commits a crime with them right it's just crazy. but they can license license the design out to like an airsoft company to make like a g36 right but it's it's cool back when you were a child you begged and begged for you know airsoft yeah because it was so fun well, I know. I did it again in college, and it was still <laughs> extremely fun. I know, but I'm just saying. So you guys met over a crazy conversation. Yeah, and Matt was really into it. Like uh, um, you can tell, like like Matt, a boy into trains. Matt, Matt was into his yeah, airsoft, was, and like, I I I maybe had three hours into this thing that he had. You're a, like, that sounds cool. Like I want it. Yeah, I mean, sixth grade boys just right. you know, bonding over whatever and uh, bad bad self portraits which i yeah. think is, i think do i have that self portrait because it's not bad is that the one where you i still have that i wanted to frame it it doesn't look like me it's adorable but anyhow okay we'll well, it's important it's a mother's it's a mother's thing but Hell no but that's bias. but then yeah so then jack took off into um you really you really took off into music like i thought you like growing up you were i mean and people out there don't under, don't know this but jack you know jack is super I mean, you, you have such a funny sense of humor and it's maybe an ironic sense of humor though. Like you certainly, you, you do yeah. a bit and I mean, there's certain things that Matt would tell me and I was just, I would just be dying about, about it's like meta humor. Kind of. But let me get back to the musician Jack. Cause like Jack has now grown up. Uh, like we've all sort of grown up. You guys are sort of adulting. There. You're You're adulting now. <laughs> like you're, you're young men and you're 26 years old. Um, so what, let me just ask you a serious question, because I know they have questions for you too, but what inspired you to pursue trombone as a profession? Because that is a, that, that is a, a wonderful thing, but it's also like, you must, yeah, what is it? What is it that inspired you to say, look, at, I love this, I want to pursue this? Like, what was going through your mind? That's a great question. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really perilous thing to think about mm-hmm. um, going just full full into something that um, 
yeah, that can be really challenging. So what what inspired me um, is when I <laughs> Dan Dan is doing some interesting stuff. When, okay, uh, don't look at Daniel. Yeah, I'll focus here. Um, <laughs> when I was young, um, I was I was kind of um, brought up to be an engineer. Uh, all all my family was was very much gearing oh, me up I to be an engineer. Oh, I can see that. Um, and I had that I had that mind. I think I had the I have the mind for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a strong analytical and problem solving uh, bend to me. Um, but there was something about um, as I was I was I was um, studying and playing music uh, as a young person, especially like later in high school. Um, it, it went from this fun thing with friends uh, and in a good time to being something that brought me a lot of um, uh, satisfaction, a lot of deep gratification. And I thought to myself. Um, if I had to pick one of those two things to just really go at, I feel like I could be a hobby engineer and have and have a good time, but I don't think I could live and and be satisfied if I, if I tried to be a hobby musician. Uh, so then I had decided, I, I'll, you know, I'll give it the musician route. And so I um, started taking lessons pretty late, pretty late in high school, uh, a lot later than a lot of people recommend for uh, winning auditions at schools uh, to get into a program. Um, and I remember taking my auditions. I, I auditioned, um, for Dr. Steve Wolfenbarger at Western, um, and then at Eastern and, and also at, at Wayne state. And so, um, but by the time my first audition was at Western and I hadn't, ha- I hadn't started lessons yet. And I really tanked. It really sucked. <laughs> it was Aww. funny, funny story. But um, that's, but it gets you, I tell you when you have a failure, you either stop it or you try harder. And I, Right. Have you dug down? Yeah, so I I doubled down here, um, and so I met this uh, familiar face as I went to the Eastern audition. I, I had a familiar face who was at the Western audition, and just in I don't know the four months or whatever of lessons I had between the, that time, um, I played like four notes, and Doctor Babcock's like, "All right, let's talk money." <laughs> and oh so, my goodness, which was that's cool. Wonderful. And, when, and I mean, those are different schools, and, and the, the competitive levels, uh, you know, a little different, uh, and pe- different people have different amounts of money to throw around, but. Um, yeah, it was a good fit. Eastern was a, it was a good fit for me, and um, so that yeah, that's how I kind of got my start uh, in school. Um, I was dropped into a really competitive pool of musicians at Eastern, which was really fortunate um, because uh, uh, art school or whatever kind of thing you're doing, it really is what you make it. You can probably go find yourself in an art program somewhere, or a music program somewhere, coast at the bottom, really get nothing out of it you paid however many tens of thousands of dollars you have a piece of paper that says you've done some art congratulations and it doesn't do anything for you um but for those who dig and get a lot of uh stuff out of it 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 really is just like a a self-study um and you get some help along the way well you yourself i mean you it, it is on you to, yeah, completely. to perform. So, I mean, you were just like, I, I'm so proud of you because you, I mean, I, you know, it's, sorry, but you know, I'm doing, I'm doing the, the mom, Matt's mom thing. But yeah, she um, comes in and ruins it. I'm sorry. I'll be like doing something extremely technical and like really hard to do. And she'll be like, oh, you're so cute. I'm like, no, you I destroyed, <laughs> you just destroyed everything I've worked for. I'm trying no, to make a work. pipe fit into another pipe. How is that cute right now? <laughs> yeah. Like I'm trying to make shit and it's hard to think about when you're telling me I'm cute. Yeah. Well, it's not that it's hard to it's think about. That. I think it just destroys. Patronizing. Like, let me. Yeah. Okay. I try not to be patronizing, but what it you. is for me is that I've known you. Well, I've known these two all my life. But Are you sure? I love. It's one of the 
great pleasures of being a parent and being older is watching you develop into like amazing, remarkable human beings, and you all are. And Jack particularly, because he had some, he had some hurdles along the way, and he has. Um, I I was so um, fascinated because you do to me like you are. You do have that very technical engineering brain, um, but I do feel that math really. I'm sorry. I, that music really complements that. Did I say math? I can't do math. But you know what I mean? You need that mm-hmm. level of intelligence to be able to compete in music, I believe. Yeah. And there's uh, pros and cons to it all. Um, it all feeds itself. So learning math is going to help with you know, uh, the, the model of, uh, what is it, interdisciplinary learning, right? So uh, how in the gym your leg day and your core day is going to help out your arm day and vice versa, like you to be a, a more rounded person and, and left helps the right and that kind of thing. Uh, left brain, right brain. Left, left brain, right brain. Yeah, they'll, they'll enforce each other. So having that engineering um, brain that analytical mindset going into school, uh, a creative study, um, especially, uh, being, being an orchestral musician, uh, there's, there's a lot of it. That's very, very, very technical, um, that you need to just be on (laughs) with a microscope the whole time. And perfectionism is something that's plagued me and I'm learning to strip that down. Ah, professionalism. Uh, Perfectionism. Perfectionism Perfectionism is only for psychopaths. Did you say perfection or perfectional? I said perfection. Sorry. Oh, perfectional. There's a professionalism. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Uh, That's like the Patrick Bateman's type. uh, You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, But the perfectionism was a tool that helped lift me up and it also tore me down. So now I'm trying to get the, the positives out of it and trying to, to uh, enhance that. But I just yeah, I it. agree that, uh, the, that, that engineer brain going into, um, a creative study, uh, that was, I think that was a boon for me. For Excellent. Sure. Yeah. All right, boys, you have questions. You want to go first time? Uh, well, I was just going to ask based off what you just said, like, um, do you think that's kind of true with every, profession kind of what you said that like yeah you obviously get in what you what you put in or you get out what you put in or whatever um and not, maybe not so much with the perfectionism but maybe to an extent it's probably a little bit different with music because you do have to be extremely precise with like hitting the right notes and everything but i think a lot of other areas are kind of similar where it's like yeah you if you want to operate, even like in the field of engineering, it's like, yeah, you can coast by. And we all knew the people that just like did the bare minimum to get their degree. And engineering is a hard thing to yeah. do. It's a hard school to go. It's hard to go to school for engineering and pass and whatever. Cause it's funny. Cause a bachelor's degree in engineering is all you need to start making a decent amount of money. Whereas most professions need to go get a master's or a, oh, that's a, good a PhD. Point. I never thought of that. Uh, but I, you know, do you think that it, it kind of applies across the board or do you think there's some things that are very specific to music? That's a good question. Um, and it, it has some different facets to it. I think largely what I was referring to is, um, as a profession in America and as a, um, as a, as an education program in America, um, since we don't subsidize the arts publicly in America, there's like a, a super, super slim amount of availability for you to pursue an art. Yeah. Uh, so like if you go to Europe, any major city or any, really any country will have as many full-time opportunities as all of America. So oh if you go to, if goodness. you go into England, are you talking music? I'm talking, if you want to play in an orchestra, if you want to play so music. in an opera, yeah, music. So, but also, um, different, different cultural 
uh, things that are coveted there. I just know that uh, happen to be happen to know orchestra. So if you want to or orchestra or art music. So like, um, uh, what is it? Uh, pits for for like theater, opera companies, um, and orchestras like whether it's a radio orchestra a pops orchestra whatever kind of orchestra you're performing in there'll usually be as many full-time jobs in say england germany uh france uh italy as there will be like say in all of america uh just because they can subsidize it and those are the things that the culture values so here in america um while i studied to do a thing i forgot the stat when i was when i graduated in 20 i was done with classes in 2020 um and looking into master's programs, the stat was something like there's 3,000 trombonists graduating from undergrad like every year. Is that can't be right? Trombonists in general, but I don't know how many performance majors. The competitive pool was wild. The stat is like um, me getting a job out of my undergrad was as likely as me leaving the um, NCAA and get being a starting quarterback in an NFL team. Oh, geez. Yeah. It, it was more likely for me to start as an NFL quarterback out of college than it was for me to get a job out of undergrad. Right. So, so with the education and the profession in mind in America, I, to Dan, wow, big, big loop to your question. Um, I, I would think that because the piece of paper means so little uh, and because the job is so hard to get. Yeah. That's why I say that it particularly applies for music here. No, but anywhere, um, like in America, your piece of paper means different things. So like like you were saying with the engineering degree, if if you got like an MIT engineering degree, you were the bottom of the pool at MIT. That's still, you know, your paper yeah, means still a lot. Do it. Yeah, you're still right. gonna you're yeah. still gonna yeah. get a great job. You could probably go anywhere and just have, I don't know, your mom write you a resume. <laughs> you know, I you're gonna will. use a resume builder, right? <laughs> and um you could probably find yourself in any company. Yeah, well, the, the supply and demand is totally different. Like, yeah. there is a huge demand for engineers, and there's not enough supply, mm -hmm. so it right. is easier to even right. skate by and get a good job. Well, and, it's, yeah, it's, and I'll say this too about music in America: is like we value more of the independent pop artists than we do orchestra, opera in general. In Europe, there's a that's a huge um, staple in their society. I would say. They're like especially like mm -hmm. Germany, yeah. Italy. It's more geared towards that. I would also want to say I want to challenge you on this one a little bit. The opportunity. Do you think it's based on the fact that they're smaller countries, and they have smaller populations, so the population density fits the um, um, the the opportunities there. So like, and also too, you gotta be reminded that they're very selective on who goes to college and who doesn't go to college. So. Yeah. There's less people going into it compared to maybe the United right. States. Because you got to think like Italy doesn't have the population density that Michigan does. <laughs> right? That's crazy. I didn't know that. Michigan has more people than Australia, mom. Oh, wow. California has more people oh, that's a big than state. Canada living oh, in it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, well, I don't know stats. My, my, my guess, my educated guess would be that um, it helps that, um, they're looking that up, Dan. Yeah, he's he's getting the stats here. Um, at least at least part of the question I, I think I can do is um, country proportions. Um, that's a good question. I, I I don't know the density comparisons from like say England to the U.S. and right. how they do mm -hmm. things, but I know they're able to staff nine or ten full time right. but in, orchestras. But in, but in England, 
it's really hard to get into college. Like a lot harder to get into, well, they say university. Well, they right? have, you have to have a talent. Actually, sorry, it's opposite. Your college is their university. And then university. University is like a community college. Well, no, the other way around. Like college is the lower, like first two no. years. And then university is your oh, second. Yeah, look two. that one up. Uni. Go yeah, to uni. uni. Um, I'm pretty sure. But, but it's, you have to test pretty well to get even into uni mm-hmm. in college. And like some people, they're like, no, you're going straight into the trades. Like they kind of, they're more selective in that stance. And the only, the only reason I bring up this point is because people forget how ginormous the United States is and how many people living in it and how many people are going for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, right? also uh, with these music jobs, because they're so uh, far, like if you were a section viola player, your life is probably different than as a section uh, wind or brass player, because as a section viola player, uh, Jesus, this is, this is me not knowing my stuff. Uh, you probably no, are, <laughs> you probably in a section of, I don't know, between eight and 12, eight and 10 people or something. So mm. wherever you go, you play an instrument that's like in demand and there's probably more of you, but there's also a, a greater amount of jobs. Oh. Whereas me, right. um, there's a first trombone player and there's a second trombone player and that's it in your orchestra. And then yeah. you'll have your bass trombone player. So um, there's about one major opening every two years in the U S mm-hmm. so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I see. I think the, like I said, I, my point here is that bring it back is just the competitiveness compared to the amount of people trying to get the jobs right. is there are so many people going for the same job. Yeah. And that, the, I, I completely agree with that. How, um, so many people, uh, fortunately and unfortunately, can study whatever they want, but then they're burdened by whatever kind of mm-hmm. debt or whatever kind of promise right. they had going into it. So there's going to be tons of people studying a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the price of freedom, baby. <laughs> yeah, but but say. <laughs> but uh, it is it is it is a very difficult thing because college is super expensive. As we all know, college is right. very expensive, and um, I know a lot of people take the philosophy. It's like you know, I didn't go into school to write at all. Like I never would have. I was lucky that my parents were like, ah, I don't care what you do. Just enjoy yourself in college. You know, they were, they were of that mindset because um, they were a little bit older and whatever. But now it's like um, I have a good friend whose son is a, mm. is a cellist and it is a hard road, you know, just, it is a, you know, constantly, um, you know, get, going to school and getting into different uh, programs and then uh, always auditioning for, those one spots, the mm-hmm. one spot or two spots for an orchestra. Um, but I think in America, like what I know with my industry in the book industry, anybody can really write a book if you want to, and you can publish it on Amazon. Um, getting traditionally published, like working for a traditional uh, orchestra is a lot harder. It is like getting struck by lightning. Um, mm-hmm. You can be phenomenal but if you don't have that right match, like let's say you're um, auditioning for an orchestra and they're looking for a certain pitch. And because I think with, well, trombone, like it's, is there a different pitch when you're blowing in it? Do you know what I mean? Or do oh, all trombone, so you this, know what I mean? Is it style? Sorry, there's, just like a, there's like a super large technical barrier. Pitch is like the note. So if you okay, couldn't no. play the notes, then you wouldn't be good enough no, to join it. No, what I'm saying is like, it's something like... The care, like how, the, what kind of uh, mu- music you bring? Well, just your, essence. yeah, because like what separates you? Like for me, you know, like writing a, a we have something in, in the literary world called a voice. And I 
you know, I really didn't pay much attention to it. But when you, you read somebody's work and like, I realize this in my own self that my books, all have a certain voice to them that are unique to me, which mm-hmm. means like your trombone playing, although you're playing the right pitch and note, Daniel, there's something unique to you that, yep. you know, uh, John, my, uh, my husband, you know, um, talks of his story cause he used to play <laughs> saxophone and there was a kid who was 19 years old playing a, um, it's a big trombone. No, no, no. What's that? No, I'm sorry. Tuba, the tuba. Uh, euphonium. Oh, yeah, okay. and he went to, there was some orchestra, and uh, he went to, he just went to apply for it. And the way he blew that note, he beat out everybody, and he got this job just because they liked what he was doing. And he was like, you know, he just had it, maybe a gift or something that they were looking for. Not that he was experienced or whatever, but, it, but it's very subjective. Yeah, and in, so in some ways, like, and so yeah. that makes it even harder. Can I fact check okay, Matt thank, really fact quick? Check. Yeah, but so yeah, you made the me. claim that Michigan has more, has a higher population density than Italy, and then you said Michigan has more people than Australia. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Both those are incorrect. Drum roll, please. Well, like Michigan has a population density of 174 per square mile. And Italy has a population density of 510 per square oh, mile. Mama. So there's about 10 million people in Michigan. There's like almost 60 million people in Italy. Okay. Um, Australia has about 25 I million. Mean. and they, But they have a very low population density because they have a ton of land. Yeah. They... Right. So 60 million in Italy. But let's say, so Italy is maybe like, well, how many states you think? I don't know. I mean, we, we have my states point, that point that here. Big. My point here that I was making, Dan, was that Italy does not have the same amount of people all going for the same thing compared to the U.S. That is just what I'm saying. I guess this is a great example to tie it in. Say Italy was a nice, let's call it a 60 million, 60 million people and call the, what, Michigan? What's Michigan, 20? 10. 10. Um, You'd expect six times amount, like uh, if there were full-time orchestras or Mm -hmm. full-time whatevers. Um, Michigan has one full-time orchestra. Right. And Italy has more than six. Oh, probably many, right. many, many probably one for every oh, city yeah. and like yeah. the size yeah because yeah, the population density is probably way more intense in italy but also italy is like you know compressed but they're also more cultured like they're, they're not i wouldn't say more cultured but you know what i mean they're historically yeah. well, you know like they you know the historical can I, composers can you know they do you embrace know what I mean? those parts can I ask a, a question history. too for jack so if i was going to push back if i was going to play devil's advocate i would say hey, there's not a lot of demand in the United States for orchestra and whatever. So why should we Why should we fund it? Why should we put money into these programs? Why should there be more orchestras? Like, why should we do that despite there being maybe not as much demand? That's a great question. Um, wow, this gets really lofty. Um, <laughs> Welcome. I would, I would, so what are the merits of consuming Western art music? Um, I think... Uh, Man, I guess a, tr- a traditionalist would say uh, something something to the uh, to the tune of uh, by having our population in. It's kind of like how why we study history. We study history so we don't uh, for lots of pros and, and to prevent a lot of cons uh, because we don't have a lot of formal education in music in that way. Um, we can see the deficits in our society consuming culture so if you look at and i I don't know what it's like outside of my little bubble right but i would imagine um i would speculate that if you go to say italy the average person is singing and dancing 
and playing instruments probably and consuming art in some way just the common person like hey i go to i do my nine to five and i go home and i play it i sing i dance i do whatever yeah. I, make a a, I make a pasta brilliant i like and, a da vinci uh and then you go here <laughs> the average person um has is nowhere near that and so what's the, the what's the merit Look at the music we make here. Yeah. yeah. Would you say that it has significant? Hey, man, <laughs> music is music to me, right? And I get it. But Objectively, they're they're bad songs. Music, <laughs> as, a, as a musicologist and as someone who's a musician, like uh, mu- music is just sound and time. But what people treasure and what people mm-hmm. covet in their culture, it just shows. Like look well, here right. and then look there. Well, do you right. know what they treasure? They treasure the emotions that music brings out in them. And I will tell you. Um, my friend whose son is a, that's Jane, uh, her son is the cellist. She loves classical music. And when I go over there, she plays classical music and I have got to say, I love it. I think you have to be a certain age maybe, or a certain mindset. I think I've always loved classical music or beautiful movie scores. And I, and I feel that, you know, just like in the book world, there is music for every consumer. And I feel that maybe the big um, orchestras have fallen down a little bit um, in popularity because of just the noise that's out there. Do you know what I mean? Just everybody competing on the internet to get noticed, uh, SoundCloud, you know, all these things, brilliant talents, all this stuff. And sometimes things appeal to people, but I will say that um, it's important because a it's culturally significant. And so, can, uh, so kind of the argument you're making is that it it, it, uh, it adds to the like maybe the class classiness of a society. In a I way? would say that it adds to your brain. Thank you. I would okay. say just raw brain stuff. I would wager that somebody who listened to even to age appropriate. So like uh, kind of getting at Darcy Darcy's and Dan's part of um, why. There's a lot of reasons why I think the orca, the why Western art music lost to popular music because they wanted to stay in a tradition, all that stuff. Um, there was age appropriate music. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was really simple tunes. There was really mm-hmm. short stuff like, "Hey, man, if you're a six year old kid, oh. how are you supposed to listen to Mahler's Third Symphony and wait an hour and right. for twenty minutes?" The, no, there was something little, for what you. Do you. What do you call that? The like little folk songs that you would sing, like in communities, like you could listen just to a the song, dawn of time, an aria, a folk tune. There's so many things that you could have listened to that is like bite sized or appropriate for a yeah. kid. But when it's like, uh, what's going to get people's attention as in a, into a consumer market? So all of a sudden we went from like this tradition and prestige to like, okay, now we're selling products to people. Mm -hmm. And as soon as it became that, it's like, okay, what's the lowest common denominator? It's turn on your drum machine, (laughs) uh, drop your SoundCloud bar, and you're more dopaminergic than um, than, than box little few. It's money. It's literally money. Like, oh, you know, like, oh my gosh, this is a, this song is going to go viral because it's so, and I think the songs that do sometimes go viral or, or that people that do really well, like the pop songs, and this is just me being old and ridiculous, but they're very simplistic. Yeah. They're extreme. Like most songs like have the what, same chord three, progression. Four, yeah, same it's four chords. Right. There's like probably what, like 50% or whatever of the songs have and the same people, chord like, progression. They don't have to think a lot. They can just be like, ah, yeah. bah, 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 and you know, what's cool. It, what, what's cool about me is that since I'm able, popular music is part of what I consume. I'm able to find the stuff that brings me a lot of gratification and complexity like that, but but also having like the pop sensibility of it being simple. Uh, but tying it tying it back into dance, 
Um, Dan, remind me what was what was your what was your question? I was just asking like uh, w- like why oh, class? Well, no, why should uh, why should we invest more money into orchestras and stuff when there's not as much demand for it? Like what what is pushing us to do that? Right. I see pop music today as the iPad for the kid and the classical. Uh, music or the Western art music being like um, your greens. It sucks oh, to eat greens, mm-hmm. but if we didn't, so if we didn't ass. do math, if we didn't study English, that's not fun. Like, you know, to a kid yeah, over it, iPad. It's interesting. Yeah. It almost reminds me of like this concept of like delayed gratification versus instant gratification where like if you listen to a classical song, it is very much, it's come almost a delayed gratification experience where like you're, uh, you're like, get you're like you're like getting into it and like you're you're trying to follow it and yeah it is kind of like a story uh and then you listen to you know Nicki minaj and you're like <laughs> oh, yeah please. you just it, it, <laughs> build, it builds house. lewis capaldi for my mom yes, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah it builds in such a way that it's just like it's an experience listening to it and it's always like very gratifying but it's delayed so it's like not instant um but to jump on jack's side of why we shouldn't invest into music into like a more academic, you know, like, as like education is be? because, you know, music is like very healthy for the mind. Mm-hmm. And also it produces a lot of dopamine when you listen to music and when you play music. So, um, it, it adds to overall happiness of someone's life in general. You could look that up too. Believe no, it, it does. And uh, Jack, um, uh, shoots dopamine into your <laughs> penis. So Jack Matthew, that's where it goes. Uh, straight in your day. Yeah, straight into the balls. That's where the dopamine yeah. comes from. That's where it comes from. Uh, to put a, put a nice bow on it, yeah, I think um, a culture can consume whatever it wants to. I just think for my money, it'd be nice if um, – and it's hard because, like, uh, the, the orchestra, for example, is, like, a really – um, it's so expensive to staff an orchestra. I oh, mean, it's, yes. right. it's, uh, if you staff Boston Symphony Orchestra, the section player makes, I don't know, 90000 $100,000 a year. And there's how many of them? 60 of them, mm-hmm. 70 of them or whatever. So still having a concert costs, I don't know, four to $500 a service times 60 people Jeez. or whatever, plus a conductor, plus all the staff. Uh, it's just not sustainable. Like it's, it's gone very traditionalist while all of society has gone like very consumerist. And so what's the middle ground? Um, as Darcy was kind of, uh, Dan was pointing out with Darcy with like, uh, people listening to like jazz music, big band music, or kind of like older pop like music, folk maybe whether that, uh, it could be like folk, but like older styles of pop music where they kept some, because the difference between say, uh, quote, quote, classical music and jazz um, wasn't very different oh, like, in, in 1850, uh, or well, 1870. It was just, uh, it was essentially people playing music that was folk music and it, uh, it started dividing a little bit and over time it just became more and more of a divide. And then we got rock and roll and we got rock, yeah. uh, blues and it just kept going and going and going. And now that, that, that's like current pop music. And then, right. Uh, but like old pop music as it comes to like orchestra, right? Like, like Frank Sinatra, big band. Big band was like, pop music. Was, is like pop music, but yeah. it still has that element of like orchestra in it, right? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's just like it's like if you took a snapshot in time of pop music. Right. That was whatever. That was 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. Uh, big band music at the time. But yeah, you know, I think uh, I didn't think I'd be making this staking my or uh, play, standing my ground <laughs> on this argument uh, in the near future. 
uh, and I'm doing it today. I think that yeah, for our society, it's uh, it's like the Wheaties for our brains. I I I like. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me, and I agree with you. I I didn't even like think about it that way, though. I don't think, and that's really a really good perspective for yeah. people to have. Look yeah. at people all over the world. Are they singing? Are they dancing? Are they doing all these cultural activities that brings us? purpose right bring, gives us humanity it's all about joy now Finding we're just joy. rise and grind i'm gonna put yeah. on my grind vibe music i'm gonna go to the giant gym and play my vibe music while i grind and i vibe yeah and that's all it is <laughs> that's what we are and then yeah. you look at somewhere where they're singing you know singing folk tunes they're dancing they're four participating out here four guys in a bar with like their violins and yeah. like a, oh like a, God, like a banjo amazing. and playing like irish folk music yeah. And they'll do that for six hours. Yeah. Like, like I listened to a polka band pretty yeah. recently, and that was a hoot. It was it was a small group. It was like a a melodian player and or not melodian. It's not the accord. It's the one that's not the accordion. <laughs> it's like the accordion, and then a tuba player. And yeah. they were a hoot. Uh, but just those kind of like cultural elements. Um, we can miss out on a lot of the uh, because they're not commercially viable. Mm-hmm. That's what sucks is that in America a lot of things right. aren't commercially viable. So we say nope, it has no place in our society. Right. Yeah. And now look at us. We, we're not critically thinking as a country. No, we don't have not. culture uh, in some parts. You know. So. We don't have culture Anyways. anymore. But uh, I, I do want to go on the tangent. Um, in Home Alone, the first Home Alone, John Candy's <laughs> character plays in a polka band. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. He's like, I'm the polka king. Polka, 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 polka. She's yeah. like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> um, I, polka. Oh. polka was big, especially in weddings. Was like, like back Polish in the, was it like 70s and 80s? Like European. Like the chicken dance is polka. Like, mm-hmm. da na 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 Oh gosh! I thought I thought I thought it was it. strictly like a Polish folk music. It is. I it's, think um, is it's it? Europe. Look it up, Dan. It, it's like maybe Eastern European. E, it's it's because there's also in Germany. Oh yeah, uh-huh. uh, and it's also in I know so little Central Europe a little bit, and then like, it's also in uh, polka. I mean, polka is like a really specific type of music, mm-hmm. but there's stuff like polka all over Europe. Right. It's just that polka may have been really important for some countries or some cultures. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the Italy, they have a thing that looks like the polka band, but it's not, right? Right. But it's really close, but oh, it's not so cool. quite polka polka music. Um, okay, right. so it, it's Wikipedia says, polka is a dance and genre of music originating in the 19th century Bohemia, now part of the Czech Republic. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. It's fun. Now you know. There you go. Yeah, um, dancing. Oh, yeah. I was gonna. I was gonna wonder if we could pivot and we could talk about a little bit about um, like ADHD. Yeah, I'd love to. I know you have some uh, interesting thoughts no, about that. Yeah, I, I would like to. I mean, it's yeah, pivot about because you guys have such fabulous conversations about other things, but it all kind of connects, doesn't it? Yeah. So, uh, what would you like to? Would you like to talk about? Well, like, okay. Um, what's your? I guess. Yeah. What's your? I don't want to ask what your stance is on ADHD, but like, what do you, what do you, th- <laughs> where do you stand on the political yeah, where spectrum? Do you stand? <laughs> no, yeah. uh, like, uh, I don't know. Like, do you, what, what has your experience been like with ADHD? Have you, you've been diagnosed with ADHD? Only for a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. What, yeah. How does that affect your life? How, yeah. And your, in oh, geez. Your, your how does it affect my life? Like how has it, or how does it now or over time? Yeah. Like how has it, how does it now? I know you're doing things actively to, um, to make yourself a better person and be more, um, effective and yeah. So, uh, for, I can speak to my experience. So as a boy, um, it, some things are gray, right? It, it's hard to attribute any one thing to one thing. So I had, um, rather troubled youth. I had a rather unstable home. Uh, these things can cause some things in a person. So the kinds of things I experienced as a boy, um, 
some some negative identity and ego stuff, some negative, a lot of negative emotions. Uh, and so how that's looked at, like in my daily life was like, um, I had some, some, uh, ADHD symptoms. I had a hard time, uh, focusing on the things that I needed to focus on. Um, and quite a lot. I was always fidgety, antsy. I couldn't really do anything. <laughs> I couldn't do anything other than the things I really wanted to do. Um, and I mean, and a host of other things, but I think that was the, the largest thing that plagued me all the way into, into adulthood today. I think, um, uh, and by the way, this, I, you know, I'm not a clinician. I'm not a medical expert. This is just my experience. Uh, and the people who I follow big shout out to healthy gamer, GG, Dr. K. He's been Ooh. my education on a lot He's of a stuff. Gamer. He's a gamer. Was uh, he like, he's guy, like, you have ADHD. Um, when do you want to play Skyrim together? Like, uh, he was like one of those type guys. So I'll quickly plug this man. So yeah, this do- <laughs> Dr. K, um, he, his brand is uh, healthy gamer, GG. He's a Harvard, he, he was a Harvard psychologist and he taught a little bit at Harvard. Um, he specialized and he, uh, is a gamer. <laughs> he, uh, he's a, he's a brilliant doctor who serves the gaming community, I think is a really underserved gaming community. And depending on who you are at home, <laughs> what kind of listener you are, um, there is like an in, there's an in joke, you know, in group, uh, joke with, with gamers <laughs> that, um, that they, uh, face a lot of oppression as a, as a culture or whatever. <laughs> and like every, every yeah, funny really. thing like that, there's some seed of truth in it and whether, uh, you, how much you take stock in that. I think what's really awesome is that, um, as someone who's, who's, uh, participated in games a lot, um, all, th- all through my life, I've noticed that people who this is their main identity, if they're like chronically online or if they play way mm. too many video games or, or something like that, they are a super vulnerable population of people that are underserved I, by our society. I believe it. I mean, and it's it's just this thing that has, um, it's very addictive. It captures your imagination. It is like living inside a story. And I know re- as a reader, when I was a kid, you know, we didn't have games and I really am not into the technology of games, but there is something magical about dropping the world around you away for the space of a few hours, whether it's reading and, and absorbing into somebody else's life, watching a movie, but gaming is totally interactive. And it's something that your generation is unique. I mean, it's unique to you guys and it's a hard landscape to navigate mm-hmm. and very cool. But I keep yeah. talking. Uh, so what's, what's a couple elements here. Uh, what's really cool. Uh, kind of like, how the reader, I'm sure the reader in the, I don't know, 70s, 80s, um, could really relate kind of to today, how the gamer could be, imagine just like being stuck in your room all day, reading books, being in the fantasy of your own headspace. Um, you know, there's some pros and cons to that, uh, where I think it goes a step further for those, those of us who are gamers is that you can be what I like to call chronically online. So you don't really Mm. talk to anybody other than your internet friends. So you, the, the, kind of society you build up in your head and and what you interact with is completely online. Um, and I'm not going to make a value judgment with that. I'm just going to say there's a ton of problems that people face. Uh, fortunately, um, bringing it back to Dr. K, uh, is that he serves a community, um, gamers. He's like, he is doing some Twitch streaming and he made a uh, as Dan has here, uh, Dr. K's guide to mental yeah, we'll health. Have to, we'll have to put his link yeah. in, in the description of um, this podcast, because I think this is going to help a lot of people. Yeah. It, if you know, a game, if you were a loved one or a gamer, at I home, might know some, um, have him check out Dr. K and this guide. I'm, I'm, 
I'm like halfway through this guide right now. It covers uh, anxiety, depression, meditation, and ADHD and doing stuff. Um, Dr. K, uh, he was a dude who uh, studying, he was in med school. He was feeling out of med school. He's like, hey, dad, what do I do? Dad said, go to India. He went to India. He like, I don't know if he became a yogi, but he was, he heavily studied some stuff for a long time, came back. And so when you get the guide, he'll give you some clinical information, like some neuropsych, neuropsych and neurochemical, uh, information like, Hey, this is what's going on in your brain. This is what medicine knows. Um, he'll give you the, what, like functionally what to do, like, Hey, you're doing this. This is what's going on. These are some things you can try. And then there's a spiritual component. Uh, if you're into that kind of thing. And so, um, where were we? We were ADHD. Um, well, yeah. So does, does, do you feel that your ADHD came about or, or because of this gaming or is it something that's ooh. always been there and it's, you're just <clears throat> noticing, isn't it? Cause like I've known you when you were a kid and, mm-hmm. um, you know, like as a mother of sons, I think it's a very common thing for, you don't fit into the mold of school child. You know, like I know this, I struggle with this with, um, Jim, my oldest, uh, utterly brilliant. Um, yeah. I didn't want to slow that brilliance down because you can, as a mom, you can see what your kid you know, where your kid shines and these things and you all, you know, all the kids have their shown sides of it. But, um, but you also were dealing with other things. So when you said you wanted to do the things you wanted to do, you were dealing with some very adult issues that most normal children don't deal with. So I feel that you really, really were effective, like whatever you did and you used humor in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. And I think that, I mean, I totally respect that, but, um, yeah. back to the ADHD, it did, did you, did this make you more aware or do you think it's by studying this of, stuff or, or all, like, all, like, like being online too much? Oh, right. So, um, one thing, a couple of things, <laughs> uh, tangential, uh, what's great about, um, or kind of, it could be great or it could be terrible about games and people with ADHD and all gifted kids. These kind of can mm-hmm. all get all bundled mm-hmm. together. There's gifted kids syndrome, there's ADHD. Is that um, when you play games and say you're struggling in school, but hey man, my kid's gifted, he's brilliant, but he just doesn't really, he's not really into school, but he's super into video games or whatever kind of thing. The really tough thing about video games is that they meet your needs exactly where they are whereas a teacher in a school can only teach to a classroom that's exactly right video games i can find the video game that's right for me and i can be challenged the perfect amount yes constantly and your brain the dopamine reward circuitry and your brain's Mm -hmm. going burr you know it's the money printer going off and while school is either too slow for me or all of a sudden becomes too fast for me because that's Mm -hmm. what can happen for kids yeah kids or just kids in general um is that these video games, there's lots of kind uh, activities that they can find that challenge them the, the right amount. And so their brain is telling them, all the parts of their brain are telling them, uh, or all the parts of the self are telling them, hey, man, this is what's worth doing. Why would you do homework? Why would you do any of these things when this challenges you perfectly? You're so stimulated, you feel like a rock star. Yeah. Um, and, and school is like, hey, man, this is easy. I, I check out. And or I, like, this is boring. I just don't want to be here. Yeah, and so that that can be a trap for for kids, especially and for, young, and for young people and well, people in general. And socially, if you're socially awkward, as everybody is in school, like you're just learning how to socially interact with your fellow friends and neighbors. Um, there's something very, I guess, appealing 
at being anonymous, you know, sitting, mm-hmm. sitting behind a screen. And then you talk to people you don't know, but you'll not see them. They are, they have a gamer tags and they're funny and they're all in there. They're, you're all there for the same purpose. I mm-hmm. suppose. Am I right? I don't know. I almost can like, okay. It depends on how it's being treated. I feel like you're like playing games. Like to me, like some of it, at least the way I use it. Yeah. There's probably some ADHD in there. You're exactly right with the, fits my needs exactly what mm-hmm. i want to be challenged on yeah um but it also can kind of be like guys going to like the bar yeah what well, it's, it's like very every night like people used to go to the bar like every night with the boys mm-hmm. and stay there and drink it's, like this is kind of like an equivalent to that for people who have lives and don't play video games all day is like they'll come in they'll talk to their friends they'll play a game together and they'll have a shared experience it, just yeah. like going to a bar yeah. and then you can do that you do that in real life but it's expensive in real life so yeah it's like why do we go to the bar why do guys go or whoever does whatever activity after work why do we do this regular meeting place and so the bar it's like whether you're looking for dating prospects you're looking for social prospects you're trying to network you're just trying to let, let loose have a good time having fun with friends uh, a lot of people at least in my experience have turned to the online space because a you're, you're in a more uh, stimulating environment. You're mm-hmm. online, you're doing a game with some friends, or you're just chilling out playing your game while you're at the bar with some friends. It's like, you could be at the like bar. darts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like axe one person throwing. can be playing darts, one could, <laughs> person can be axe throwing, one person can be on the pinball machine, right? But we're all also chatting in the same with, space. Chatting with people. Um, and if you're not there for dating, <laughs> you know, if you're not yeah. there for dating yeah. prospects. Why would you be there if you're not there? Uh, <laughs> okay. So if you're not there for dating prospects, then you don't really need to be at a space where you need to meet people who are going to be potential dating partners. So, you know, that is an easy substitute is the the friends on Discord and playing games and hanging out. So, right. Yeah. I, think, I think more or less it's used as like a midweek like mm-hmm. hangout mm-hmm. thing. It's like you're not going to go after girls or boys on a on a wednesday you know what i mean at the bar like you're gonna you're gonna do that stuff on the weekends yeah well but, yeah I mean. well you know what i'm saying it's like and a lot of people like i use it to like decompress too like yeah, it's really stress for sure i i it, you know like i said like like where we're, we have this just just jammed space of things that we like you can listen to music sit in a chair you know read a book uh which are very watch tv very uh-huh. mellow relaxing things um there's a huge like what i've seen with um you know gaming is like just this adrenaline rush which is also very interesting so i i feel it's a it's a cool benefit and a challenge for oh, yeah. society for humanity going mm-hmm. forward just as you know too much time on the internet you know just playing around in the yeah. social media for girls i feel i don't know if you boys are i mean i don't notice that boys are on social media maybe as much as girls are but i believe that there's the same maybe uh, compelling component that brings you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Whereas it's you, like why are there not as many girl gamers? Am I right? Um, there's some. Uh, not it's as growing pretty it's, rapidly. It is. Oh, it is. Cool. It okay. is. Yeah. Um, I will say though the craziest thing about video games in my mind is you will sometimes you will play a video game that is so intense and so like adrenaline inducing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I've played some games where I literally my I, like pick up my hand and it's like shaking from adrenaline. Well, because you're you're you are. What do you call that? It's like you're submersed. What is that? Your verisimilitude. What is that? What is that? Your immersion. You it's it's like putting on. It's like it's like football. It's like putting on the fucking well, hat to go in and kick some that? ass. And so like, reality. VR God. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, VR reality. It's more or less like you are feeling it. Yeah. But I noticed that about Matt. Like when he was younger, like he is probably the one that's the most gifted gamer. The other boys don't game as much, but they're kind of gaming a little bit. But I noticed you'd be very crabby, like when I'd pull you out of a game. 
it took you some time because you were so and i'd get like because i probably have some adhd too i get well no it has it's just everybody has that transition transitioning issue where you're really deep you're in like alpha level brain waves like you are in this thing you are the rest of the world drops away and I get like that when I'm writing and people mm. just come in and be like, hey, what's for dinner? You know, you know what I mean? And then I'm right. like, oh. Yeah. But there some are, people but have different difficulties coming out of an activity a, do like that. Yeah. Do you have difficulty transitioning when you're really deep? Significant. Yeah. And I, yeah. Think, I, yeah. I yesterday, think Matt does. And um, maybe yeah, and, and it takes you a while to calm down, but sometimes you'll be a little. I have to finish it. I have to finish some part of it that I'm satisfied with yeah. to come out of it. It's just yeah. like, don't talk to me. Let me finish it. I know. Let me tell you about the last three days as far as okay. ADHD hyperfocus. Yeah. Uh, day one, um, hey, Jack, you need to make a resume so you can start applying for some jobs uh, because I'm starting in uh, IT. Uh, so oh, yeah, that's I right. spent, that's awesome. I spent, um, what was it? I spent 11 and a half hours straight with no breaks. Oh I grabbed God. food from the fridge. I went to the bathroom as I needed. I filled up my water as I needed with no breaks, writing a resume day one did it day two day three um i'm like hey man i've done with my resume <laughs> um and I, well, I worked day two a little less than day day one uh but like no breaks and just on my to-do list like crazy day three um i need a break i need to have some fun and whatever happened to catch my uh to catch my motivation in the morning um i what was it, it was like 10 30 I picked up um, this uh, this synthesizer. I have this Korg Mini, Korg Mini Log XD, and I like uh, I had some fascination because I, I play with the uh, trio, the Jazz Fusion Trio Nightlight, um, creating some more sounds for that for a live performance setting. And so, um, as someone with ADHD and someone is just generally challenging for me, um, in order to to like structure my day to plan out for the day, if I don't start on the right foot, it can. For most people, it can be challenging. For me, it's damning. And I'll show you an example. I picked that thing up at 10.30, and I did not put it down other than to go to the bathroom and get water until 11.30 p.m., 13 hours about. And it was I was, it was totally consuming. And like it was like it met exactly like the video game thing. It met every challenge I wanted to and more. And I could, uh, and I was like reading the manual. I was looking at different strategies and the different kinds of tools I could use with this thing. And it was like, I, I heated up a bowl of gumbo and I put it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait for this to cool down. And you forget and, about an it. An hour and a half goes by. I'm like, oh man, that gumbo's there. Welcome to, welcome to Darcy Hannah's Down writing that. world. Yeah. I, I did I, that literally. Sorry. I'll do it. I did that like yesterday with like an egg. Like I was like working. Yeah. I was like making breakfast. And I was you like, I was like doing something on work and I was like, oh shit, I forgot the egg. Yeah. And I burned it. Um, and <laughs> so now, but. now, uh, with the kinds of things I've been doing, tying it all back to Dan's <laughs> with Dr. K with some mindfulness stuff with some meditation and some strategy skills oh, and I, all that kind of stuff. I, I use mindfulness every day. I, I, God bless you. I want to talk to the boys about this. I yeah, think we should, great stuff. we should use it because I, I, I think it's one of the most important things is just living in the moment. And just enjoying where you are in the moment and, and mindfulness. Talk about mindfulness, Jack. Yeah. So these are buzzwords that people will say, and you like me can get very turned off by like, oh yeah, be really in the present, really in the moment. Um, and then you're like, okay, that's lame, whatever. And then you do it and it works. You're like, oh man, I should have just done the thing. Things like journaling, uh, meditation for mindfulness, all these kinds of things. Uh, your brain can tell you 
uh, for me, Jack, why would you do these things? They're a waste of time. You could just be doing more productive stuff. You could be more productive with that 10, 15, 20 minutes in your day. But uh, as I found, and as I know many others have often found, if you invest the five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it is to do these kind of healthy brain things, healthy life things right up front, you will see so much more reward in your life. Uh, and it'll, it'll compound. So it's like you're investing in the beginning of your day. And instead of you finding yourself doom scrolling or hyper focusing on one thing that you like, hey, man, this is item number seven on my list of stuff to do today. And I didn't even get to one or two. This kind of stuff can really set you on the right foot. Uh, for some great stuff. So, mm-hmm. like, what's an example of like something, like like, like a practice? That yeah, you yeah, do that, that, is, that like pays dividends that you do, um, or that you want to do, or something. Yeah, two things, three things really. It, it all kind of ties in. Is that um, I do a practice called bullet journaling. Uh, for those of you who know, maybe your girlfriends, or your wives, and, uh, <laughs> it, it's really like it's more of like a feminine space kind of thing. But a lot That's of people okay. can can see. No, it's just what it is. It's a great tool for me. Um, bullet journaling is essentially a journaling system where you use just like, it's kind of like you use a blank canvas and you give some structure to it. Mainly what I use it for is to-do lists and trying to keep track of some th- elements of my life. Uh, a concept is that the more you have to remember as a human being, the more you have to like use your brain to do things that technology could do, the more your brain's cluttered up and not able to work as well. So if we're able to just, Hey, I have to do this thing later. And you just instantly set a reminder, you instantly write it down. Your brain's free to do all kinds of great stuff. So I use my bullet journal to keep track of what I want to do and the order in which I want to do them in a day um, or in a month or in whatever given time or, you know, being able to use some executive function and, uh, and break some things down into smaller tasks. Journaling, uh, bullet journaling is different for me than journaling. Journaling is more of a um, stream like emotions. of con- emotions, stream of consciousness, my intentions for the day, what I'm grateful for, um, what's going on in my life, trying to tap into some emotions or tap into some of why I'm doing what I'm doing or why I'm thinking why I'm thinking. Um, even if you go through emotions, people find, and I think the clinical research supports that um, you journaling and even just doing stream of consciousness level stuff um, it pays significant dividends in your life, whether it's uh, being more in the present, as Darcy was talking about, uh, and all kinds of great stuff. And then thirdly, uh, it's this meditation mindfulness practice. As Dan, Dan was asking, what can we do? Um, you can look up any kind of resource. I can't think of any off the top of my head as I'm still studying. I'm still uh, a novice in, the, in these kind of things. But you can look up a guided meditation, how to meditate, these kind of uh basic resources telling you how to meditate, teaching you how to meditate. Uh, and so what it often is, it's a practice of, um, and this is tough because meditation goes into like a huge, mm-hmm. it's like a huge ocean. We should, we should like get somebody on that. That's really, oh, yeah, yeah that'd be fun to talk um, about it. Cause I, I do, my dad was a big meditator. Yeah. And, and yeah. all kinds of people are doing it in all, in all parts of the world. And, and, uh, <laughs> we're now just coming back to it is like, it might be like a five minute video, 10, mm-hmm. 15 minute video. You can go on YouTube and go on, you can get, there's apps for it. There's podcasts you can download like this one, <laughs> uh, only on meditation. Yeah. This is not going to make people like calm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but like what I, have you done this where like, I will sit for 10 minutes and try to just clear, like just to be, to listen. I mean, to, you're just not, you, any thought that pops in your head, you just kind of gently walk it out of your head. I'll use that for a while. And then if I'm really working on a problem, I let that problem just be the one thing. In my house, it's hard to find quiet, especially with the dogs and when mm-hmm. the kids were little. But have you ever tried to just not not have a guided meditation, but sit in a chair, get really relaxed, close your eyes, 
and just think of like, you know, like a beautiful picture in your head and think of no thoughts, no thoughts at all. Close your mind. Well, I haven't done that. That's um, a real hard thing to do. It's, it's really hard to not think of anything when you're, yes. uh, we can, we'll try that later on today, boys. But we're, well, I think it would be cool because there's different types of meditation, but you're absolutely right. So many of them. There's something like uh, Dr. K, I'm, I'm just getting into meditation and getting into like yogic philosophy. And there's like, I don't know, it's 127 different types of meditation to focus on different branches of mm-hmm. what you could work on. And there apparently there's not, mindfulness is like not really a word used in Sanskrit. Um, no, it's it's a modern term. It's, yeah, because it's there's like really, really specific things, just like how there's not a Sanskrit word for motivation. Like they don't believe in motivation. They believe in all of the aspects that like oh, what so we cool. come together to create motivation, but they have like all these different things like resistance and inspiration and these kinds of things. They they put more stock into like the, the components. Yeah. Uh, mm. But meditation, it would be something like, uh, it could be breathing, like where you're focusing on the breathing. And like Darcy was mentioning, maybe trying to like yeah, invite a thought, is something I let it go, on. having a soul thought. Um, the cool yeah. thing is that your brain is a muscle and you can flex it and you can build strength. If you're someone who has trouble doing things or, in, or whatever it is, you can, by doing meditation, by doing these kinds of practices, journaling, uh, keeping, your, keeping these kind of systems in place, uh, you can strengthen your brain to do things in your life that is more in alignment with yourself. Ugh. I like to think of the self, the common model of like, uh, yourself is your brain. Yourself is your ego and your emotions and your body and your spirit. If you want to, if you want to believe in some oh, kind of spirit, that, yes. um, your, these different parts of yourself, like yourself is like the pilot. Imagine you're like a transformer. You're like a, you're like a power ranger. You're like a mech, right? You're, you're the driver. But your body's telling you, oh, my leg hurts. Or your brain's telling you, oh, man, I really want to play some video games. I really want some coffee. And your your emotions are saying, I can't go out dancing. I suck at dancing. Or my ego's telling you this, right? Or my ego's telling me this. So um, what these kinds of practices can do is it strengthens your frontal lobe to be able to shut those parts down saying, hey, listen, I know you're saying, hey, we suck at dancing. But I, the self, the pilot, me wants to dance and so by doing these practices you can be in control of yourself even more so it's overcoming your adhd tendencies yes that See, is I, I a great thing i applaud that i 100 percent applaud more like um what do you call it like awareness and ways to to get yourself like and i want you to what, what book are you well the reason I, I applaud that is because i really don't like to see people on medication um for something that you know, exercising a strong brain, um, is really, I think key to everything. And it's hard to do. It takes a lot of work, just like, you know, your muscles, you know, what can you, um, is there a book or something that you can give people? What would you recommend at this point? Other than, I mean, I want to get more about Dr. K. So did Dr. K, Yeah, it would be Dr. K's guide, (laughs) I think (laughs) is what I would plug. Uh, it teaches many, many things of this. It teaches you, um, about your brain, some strategy, what you can do, and um, clinical and non-clinical tracks of uh, being able to help you do some stuff. Get, I love some, it. get the stuff done. I love it. And let's, um, we're going to pivot a little bit here again, too, because I want to also describe why I loved having you on today. Um, Jack, I know, is a big music, you know, brilliant musician. And I came to you and asked you, I'm like, hey, would you want to make a little piece of music for me? Um, that I could use for behind my books because I have, you know, <clears throat> I was telling the boys as I make these stupid little baking videos when I, I, mean, I love baking, 
But when I launch a book, I usually try to have like baking videos and just some fun other things that readers, um, you know, can maybe, you know, it's, it's enjoy while they're reading. They can make one of the things I talk about. Um, and I usually purchase a royalty free piece of music to do it. But I'm like, oh my gosh, like I know we were talking at a party once and you were talking about making music and I'm like, hey, so I called you and we had this great process. Like you really got me thinking about what it is I wanted. And I gave you some just, all I said was, can you just put like something Halloween-y, can you put pumpkin, pumpkin spies in there? And mm. and we came up with something great. And I, I, would, I know you have it on there and I want you to play it. And Because what we're going to do today is we're, we're going to ask you to make us music for this podcast. So you're going to give brilliant. us your process. Yeah. So this is, I was so, I got to say to the audience, like when Jack sent this over to me, he was so punctual. Um, got it to me right on time i saw it i'm like oh my gosh and i played it and i like just i was beaming with joy when i heard it because i'm like oh my i just unexpected didn't know what to expect but i fell in love with it and if you've watched any of my promotional things that are coming out for murder at the pumpkin pageant which comes out i guess in a week uh, july 25th um the videos will all have this music behind it and even some of my just regular facebook posts you're going to get sick of it but i'm never going to get sick of it so jack Pumpkin Spice. Pumpkin Spice. my god i love it and then it just like i doesn't just make you laugh and i just love the way he put in pumpkin spice because when your know, dad was like pumpkin pumpkin spice but he said it like you know jack's like it sounds like a 70s it sounds like <laughs> 70s adult entertainment yes. yeah. and i was yeah. like yeah well don't please don't put that behind my my right. videos yeah like it sounds like a very like classic <clears throat> like like a haunted mansion ghost sound you know what it. i mean that's great yeah so yeah. uh part of the uh, darcy was talking about like the process uh so we got together and uh darcy had some some kind of general very ideas. very basic yeah uh, general ideas of uh, what she wanted uh for for this music um i think one of the great things uh, of studying and art can teach you is um sure there's some technical components like uh, arrangement uh, orchestration, uh, production or whatever, but you can strip away. You can, uh, I think great artists and great project managers and, and these kinds of executive skills organizers that you can take ideas like, Hey, it's like Halloween, pumpkin spice, baking video. <laughs> you can get through my noise. You peeled back the layers and like, I think what Darcy's really saying. Yeah. And so, um, and so as an artist, uh, you can, so you can take these kind of components, you kind of can experiment with these technical ideas and make it actually uh, into into a tangible thing. So then uh, we were talking more more specifically about uh, the specific kinds of things she wanted, like duration, uh, what kind of vibe, uh, and these kind of things. And I kind of boiled it down to it's like John Williams, uh, Harry Potter meets a cooking video. Is is, is like where, where <laughs> and you nailed mental, it. You nailed my, my it. Mental image, yeah. Um, yeah, and I had, I had a good time doing it. So all right, boys, this is where you come. What I, I put some music that I had 
purchased royalty free music behind our intro to the to our podcast and you're like nah it's not us mom it's not you're just like pushing back on that now's your chance now's your chance to describe if you can what you would like jack to what is your this it's hard you want to do this now on the podcast i want you to describe describe what we want in our intro and then we will well what i would say is if you've listened to the podcast or any of the episodes what's the general vibe you get and then is that enough to make a intro song off of or like what like is that nebulous or is that specific enough so i think upbeat because mine was too slow i think it was too like too it it was was also too like it was too adventurous and it was too like like sweet almost yeah yeah (laughs) we're we're a little more raw i agree so so what we're saying jack is something a little spicier a little spicier, a little spicier maybe spicy. some like uh, kind of like your mom's house type intro, but not quite like that. That very like something, you know what I mean, Dan? Maybe I don't know if it needs to be like that, not exactly but, like oh, that. Gosh. It doesn't even I don't know. Just okay, Jack. Here's here's the hard thing. Yep. These boys, you know how they talk, and then me, cozy mystery writer, not really swearing much. Right. <laughs> and pushing the, pushing the boundaries of cozy mystery. You could start with like Com- maybe, comedy and humor, funny. Maybe a lighter tone to start off, but like like a simple tone, a sweet, high, pure note, and then have <laughs> chaos interlude. Okay, I think no, I like the form. The form, no, it's making sense to me. No, Do Matt, you know what I'm saying? No, like Matt, yeah. I get Matt. Matt gets me. Yeah, that yeah. bass note that sounds kind of like and fine just, and goofy, and then you start adding more intensity and it just descends into, that. into chaos yeah. i think that is our you see life. what i'm saying i do see what you're saying like, i would have I to ask it. more and so as someone who's writing music for you guys i would ask more specific components okay. like so far you've given me elements of like um it's a little more raw there's it, it, it'll start off with a simpler idea and get a little more chaotic how long would the thing be how long would the idea oh, just like what yeah. do we 30, do a minute? 30 seconds yeah. a minute right so that, that'd be pretty minute. quick that would spin out can you make music sound ironic is that yeah. possible yeah Hokey. Yeah. And you have to use cultural references. Also, to do that. Jack, do you remember that song I, I showed you a while ago where it sounds like an ice cream truck at the beginning? It's yeah. like, you know that one? Yeah. Where it's like, doot, doot, doot. It's just like a simple note, but then it gets kind of like, it builds and builds. Yeah. I think it's because that's, I kind of like that idea. Three different personalities in one tune. And here's another challenge. When people listen to that tune, they're going to want to listen to the podcast. This is a big order for you. Right. right. So it's podcast music on top of. <laughs> The three interests on top of uh, who cuts the check is really in yeah. in Nashville. Yeah. In Nashville, they they do the rule of uh, whoever's in the room gets an equal cut. And they also say uh, if everyone's barking things at you, what do you do? Uh, you <laughs> who who well who's cutting the check? Yeah, is, is exactly. What, but uh, so I would do my best, and I would ask more questions uh, and try to capture the different. Uh, elements the different like creative components yeah put it all into one i would almost say this like why don't you go ahead and make like a full song if you want no, to no i mean well no no, no i'm just saying right, whatever he wants just to experiment right you make a full length thing if you don't want to you don't have to can you make a full album for us yeah, we yeah, yeah I'll, I'll make a and go ahead and make a, a quadra album yeah no yeah. i mean if you're feeling it like that way like let's say that you make you make the song if you're right <laughs> No, 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 no. no. I, I get what you're saying. You, know you can saying? cut segments. Like, out. Let's say, let's say we don't we're not like super huge about the beginning, but like the middle part, we're like, oh man, the middle part sounds right. really good. That would give or you like, like a bigger part. platter to be able to choose from than say just giving you 30 seconds. Right. And I'm not saying yeah. you have to do that. I'm just saying like it might be a good idea Matt, for, who's, who's for if you want check? to do that. 
in the future because also <laughs> you know people might want to download the entire yeah. song and that's right? the point of this the point of this will be like i've explained to you i want you to start building like you know a a your uh, a website and a you know it's what do you call it like a whole list of um songs that people can buy rights to a catalog after, 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 yeah. thank you god it's too early for me catalog of songs that you've written um we get first rights of course because yeah. we're gonna hire you to do this but um i love that and uh, so that's his big task and he can give us a timeline and when when the timeline comes back we'll have jack back and we'll listen to that song and um everybody else will be able to listen to it because we will be using that song but i want to give you a parting question okay sure. and then i mean this is what i would feel a parting question um i have a lot of them but this is the one like what advice would you give to some young person starting out today who really wants to pursue music like from your heart like what would you tell them um like you know i had a child come to say oh mom i want to i love playing my guitar i i want me to make this a career all right uh so the from 11 year old boy midwest boy named denny mm -hmm. going to his uh, <laughs> in, into his middle class family structure asking his mom hey mom i really love playing my guitar and singing music with dad I, I think I really want to do this, do this. What do I do? And what do I tell Denny? Uh, well, you, you get Denny over here uh, in the studio, and we sit him on down. Hey, Denny, I'm Jack. Uh, I'm a musician. I'll tell you how it is. What I hear you want to make it big. Denny is going to have Everybody, a wide grin, yep. and he's going to be nodding uh, cartoonishly, and I'll tell him, well, Denny, simmer down <laughs> buckle up. Here's what it is. And I tell Denny uh, <laughs> a few things. Um... I would uh, tell Denny, music is one of the things we have in life that is a cultural practice. What, what that means is you can do this thing outside of a career very fulfillingly. You could do it 20, 30, 40 hours, however many you could spend outside of your career uh, doing this thing. I would tell Denny, I would tell most people, this is a great option for you. I, I tell people, um, the only way you should consider being a career musician or a career music teacher um, is if you cannot imagine yourself doing any other option. Because you can do anything else and then that can fuel your thing. Or this could be a supplemental part of your life. Uh, it's always, it's super safe in life. And of course I'm the one who, <laughs> and I, I was, I, you know, I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. And that's why I pursued that option. Um, it, it's so easy for you to be able to, um, do this thing as a hobby and eventually spin your career into a thing where you're like, Hey, you know, I'm doing spreadsheets and the spreadsheets are fun, but like, I just want more. And maybe you take on a part-time role on spreadsheets and you take more of a time role on as a musician. But uh, that's kind of like a greater outlook on life. All right, Denny, that's the greater outlook on life. What do you do? You instantly find a community and you find a mentor uh, because you will thrive by developing an identity. You'll thrive by having a mentor and you'll thrive by having a community. So Denny, uh, what kind of music do you like to play? And Matt, you're Denny in this role play instance. What kind of music do you like to play, Denny? With you and your trance dad. music, trance music with trance your guitar. Music. I love taking Molly with your guitar. Okay, I like good vibes. I like vibing. So I, <clears throat> Denny, I don't know a lot about trance music, but what I do know about trance music is that 
how the hell are you playing it with a guitar? <laughs> you got like nine looper pedals. Doesn't reverbs, matter. Doesn't matter when right, you're. Doesn't matter when you're on doesn't, Molly. Doesn't right. matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Eleven-year-old Denny, you know way too much about trance music. So Denny, I tell you, um, I would find local or someone someone near you whom you can ha- take on as a mentor and as a teacher All to right. teach you about how your role is as a guitarist in trance or just you in trance in general. And then I would find a community of people who create and who consume trance music. This is a terrible example. I know. Glad you chose it. <laughs> um, and I, so I'll, I'll, I'll make it easier for you. I like playing, um, um, what is it? I'll just say like rock music. I like rock. Music. What kind of rock do you like? Daddy? I like, um, you know, Rock lobster, rock lobster, rock, red lobster, rock. So rock lobster. I'd find a guitar teacher. I want to make a song like that, but about Sasquatch. Okay, Sasquatch. You know, Denny's full of it today. Denny's just—he's brimming with uh, it. So, (laughs) Denny, I'd tell you, he's like a tree bear, but he stands two legs. I'm squatching. So he's squatching. Denny, find a guitar teacher. Uh, find, and have your guitar teacher help you, or maybe your 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 folks at home find you a community of, of young musicians who are like you. Uh, in America, uh, pros and cons, right? We have band, we have choir, we have orchestra. These are our music institutions, uh, largely for kids. We don't have a lot of things for the kids who like to play the guitar and sing and be singer-songwriter or do things that are in the popular space. That's part of how music education is uh, growing today. Now that's becoming more adaptable. I know, fortunately, my band director in high school... Uh, Jason Spiegel, he led a like kind of like a rock band class that you everyone just kind of came together. We all made groups and we all ha- made popular music, like rock. I remember I was in a metal band and a ska band. It was a bunch of nuts stuff. It was awesome. Uh, so that's growing uh, because the demands are growing and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So I'd find a teacher. I'd find a community if you didn't already be a part of community and uh, develop an identity as as a musician. Like this is who I am, and they'll enforce. Danny, you're gonna make it big someday. And the point is not to make it big. The point is to have a good time. Right. That's why we do it. That's very, good vibes. So it's always about the good vibes. That is excellent advice, Jack. And you are going to make it big someday, buddy. Thanks. You know, if well, I happen I mean, to, if you, if awesome. you, well, no, but you just keep playing. Keep playing. Um, I, that's wonderful. So thank you so much for coming in here today, drinking coffee with us. Yeah. And, Thanks, and mother boy. Teaching us, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you are you are an honorary mother boy for sure. <sighs> yeah, you're stuck boy. in this too. You're yep. stuck in it. Oh. So thank you for thank you so much, Jack, for coming. What do we say to Jack? Thank you, and yeah, everybody. Thanks, thank Jack. you for listening, and have a great great day. Hey, this is Dan. Hey, this is Matt. Hey, if you like this podcast, please consider liking and subscribing, as well as sharing it with your friends and family. Also, if you're interested in Darcy Hanna's books, you can check them out on Amazon or DarcyHanna.com. Anyway, thank you for your time and your listen. Have a great day. Yeah, have a good one. Bye.